Good morning. It's nice to be back here. I'd, I'd like to say I grew up in this church, but it wouldn't be quite right. Uh, however, we have been here since uh, the turn of the century. And um, I, we, Norma and I were part of the uh, church planting efforts of Santa Barbara in Ojai. And then that church blossomed uh, in Ventura. So we're now residing there. And uh, we're a, a, a growing uh, family or young families with children and uh, are delighted to see what God is doing there. If you're ever in Ventura at four o'clock on Sundays, I'd really encourage you to come join us. I am uh, presently going through the Lord's Prayer with our congregation, and uh, I've been, this is like week five, you know, so we're cutting it up into a bunch of pieces. What I wanted to do for you or with you is to observe the whole of the prayer as uh, hopefully some encouragement for you in your own prayer life and in your own development of, of faith in this God that Jesus invites us to pray with. So would you join me for a brief prayer? Lord, we are grateful for the instruction that is recorded in, in Matthew and Luke, which your disciples ask you to teach them about. And we ask that we might have the same desire to, to learn and to grow in our understanding of you as our Father and the access that we have to you through Jesus. And we pray that you would encourage us, that you would teach us, and that you would kindle our hearts together as we listen. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. The text was read before you. Uh, it, you know, as you could rehearse yourself, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Now that's the text, but if you look at your Bibles, in in Matthew, uh, he provides a context. This is a broader context where Jesus is up on a mountain and he's instructing his followers and, and, and crowds. And uh, he comes to this portion at the beginning of chapter 6 and he says, beware of practicing your righteousness before men. And so he goes on and he, he takes these three manners of devotion that would be commonplace in Jewish practice of, of uh, giving and praying and fasting, and he says, beware that you do not do this so that you will be observed by people, other people. But in each of the uh, disciplines, he says, but go to your father in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. So it's, it's just basic, he's 
cuffing them and saying, not this, but this. Not before men, but before God who sees in secret. And he will reward you. So there's this immediate context where Jesus opens this. And then in answer to that, not this, but this, he says, but pray like this. And then he gives them those six petitions for prayer. And he begins, Our Father in heaven. And when we think about prayer, I don't know when, if you remember the first prayer you ever uttered. I, I remember. I mean, I was a, a clueless 20-something, uh, just riddled with guilt, uh, you know, a, a history that I care not to rehearse for you, but trouble, trouble, despair, and I had a pastor in my face leading me to Christ and asking me to pray. And I remember, I had never prayed before. I had never spoken in the direction of God and I remember just blubbering out everything I could think of that was wrong with me and what I wanted to change. And, and I, I remember it was, it was pretty edgy. And, but nobody stopped me. But Jesus tells us to pray in this way. He says, Our Father. And it's really important for you and I at the very beginning to understand what our relationship with God is in prayer. And Jesus prayed in the other Lord's Prayer that we didn't read in John 17, where he goes on and on and on about, Father, do this, Father, do that, Father, sanctify them in truth. Read that sometime. That's a Lord's Prayer too. But it's this relational dynamic with Jesus speaking to God as Father. And it, it's not the only, I mean, it works in reverse too. There's many times in the Gospels where the voice of God is recorded as, this is my son, listen to him. So it's a discourse that's happening with Jesus and his Father. And he tells us to pray in this way. When you pray, our Father. And she said, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Jesus, you know, he's like second person of the Trinity, son of God, savior of sinners. That's one thing for him to pray, my Father, to God. But what about me? And I, this is where I think that the, it's so important to get clarity on your relationship with God in prayer. He is our Father. And our relationship to Him in Scripture is viewed as that of adoption. We are children of God through faith. And that is not of ourselves. It is the gift of God. We are made heirs of Christ's righteousness. We are robed 
in the purity and the righteousness of Christ. We are loved as dear children. And we're given an inheritance of the kingdom. That we will be co-heirs with Jesus. And so when we come to this approach to prayer, we need to reckon with this issue of sonship. This is our privilege. We are given access to God Almighty through this inheritance that's been given to us, this adoption as children. And with the adoption, not just the inheritance, but there's a pledge. There's a pledge of the Spirit that each and every believer in Jesus is endowed with and incorporated into the sphere of the Holy Spirit. We have that. And in Paul's writings, he will refer to the Holy Spirit and particularly in our prayers. Like I, I told you, I didn't know how to pray to a God that I was just being introduced to. Well, that's, that's not untrue of you either. Even I don't know how old you may be in, in Christ, but Paul tells us that because of our infirmities, because of the fall, our infirmities personally, we, ought, we know not how to pray as we ought. Romans 8.26. But he says, but the Holy Spirit, who knows what the will of God is, prays accordingly with groanings too deep for words. He gets what's going on. He knows what the will of God is. He knows what we're struggling with. And he gets through. So there's that inheritance. There's that pledge. And then there, you know, as sons and daughters, we're, we're bound into a family. And, and so the expectation is, is that family members will have our father's interest in mind. Our father's interest will be his or her cause. And because we're engrafted into a family, it matters how we tend and care for those in the family that we belong to. So there's all this that goes along with our relationship with God, our status before God that we enter into prayer, prayer through. And it's a wonderful gift, this prayer that Jesus gives us because it frees us from having to know how to utter the perfect prayer, getting all the diction, getting all the words right, getting all the meter in place. He receives our prayer because we are his children. So it frees us from having to speak in these and thous and, and religious language. These edgy, blurted prayers are not illegal. They're... We pray out of who we are. And God hears us in that prayer. It's also a gift because it reveals the heart of God for the world. 
when, when, well, there are two portions of this. You recognize there's six pieces in the Lord's Prayer. Three of them are Godward. Thy name be, you know, hallowed. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And then there's three others that follow on the heels of that. Give us our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. And deliver us from the evil one. When we hear that word, us, that should remind us that we're not alone in this prayer, but this is a family arrangement. And God calls us into this. And the third thing, the third reason I want to say that, that the Lord's Prayer is a wonderful gift is that it actually gives us what I want to call the dignity of participation. He in, Jesus invites us in to pray as he prayed that God's name would be hallowed, that God's kingdom would come, that God's will would be done. And I say that this is the most dangerous, revolutionary thing that a human being can participate in. Because when we're praying those things, when we're praying that part of the Lord's Prayer, we're actually asking that God, the ruler of the universe, that his name would be honored by all human persons, all cognizant beings, that he would be honored, that all of his attributes would be known, his goodness and his mercy and his faithfulness and his holiness, that all that would be public, that the whole world would know who God is. We're praying for that in the Lord's Prayer and, and that his kingdom would come. You know, we pray for that all the time. We recognize, you know, I'm sure Kyle preaches on this. Every week he will note something about the nature of the kingdom or the work of the kingdom or the hope of the kingdom or the already nature of the kingdom, that it's live, that it's happening. It's happening in our lives. It's happening in our community. God is gathering his people. Or, or we long for the, the coming, the eschatological coming of Christ's kingdom, where he comes and he, he sums up all things again. And it's interesting that when that phrase comes from Paul's letter to the Ephesians where he speaks of Christ summing up all things, things visible, things invisible. Summing up, it's a term, it means to put the head back on, to recapitulate. And it's as if the whole world is running around with their heads cut off. And Jesus, by his work, by his life and death and resurrection, is putting the head back on. And is making all things new again. I mean, that's the kingdom. That's what we're praying for. That's a revolutionary thing. And when you pray, thy will be done. Oh, what are you thinking of? The manifestation of the will of God is, is really a wonderful study in the goodness of God. I am so glad that my, some of the things that I wanted 
or desired or prayed for were never answered. Because I was so clueless in asking them. I wasn't aligned with the purposes and, and plans of God. It was all, well, this is what I want. And I'm so glad that I didn't get that. But Jesus says, it is my will, it is my food to do the will of him who sent me. That's what he wanted. And in that famous prayer in, in the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus says, if this cup can pass from me, but not, not my will, but your will be done. And he submitted himself to the will of God. He submitted himself to God's plans to redeem the world through his life and his death and his resurrection. And when we pray, thy will be done, we're entering into that. Make it happen. An interesting thing about these petitions is they come in the form of imperatives. They're commands. Thy will be done. Right? All of them. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Give us. Forgive us. Deliver us. And it's not that we should, you know, get on our high horse and shout these commands to the Lord. They're all given in the passive voice, which helps to soften them. But it doesn't take the way, it doesn't take away the fact that we're asking God to do these things. Which means that we're not asking him, make me able to do these things or let us do these things or empower us to get this done. No, we're crying out, God, you do this because you're the only one that can make this happen. Only you can give us what we need. Only you can forgive us our sins. Only you can deliver us from the evil one. All of these are cries, but they come in this imperative form. One of the things you, you should know, I mean, we're, the Lord's Prayer is focused on our Father in heaven. But notice this phrase right in the center of the prayer. On earth as it is in heaven. We're, we're so... Um, It's so easy for us to, to think of prayer as something out there in the ether. Or that God is in heaven, and that means a long ways away. But in, in the Bible, heaven and earth are sort of placed next to one another, behind one another, or within orb of one another. Heaven and earth are uh, elastic terms. And... And heaven overlaps and intersects with, with our space. God's space interacts with our space. I mean, this is really what we're doing. You know, when we come to this table, we're embodying or we're imagining what it's like to interact with God. He comes down. He meets us. We go up. We meet him. And at this meal, at this mercy seat, at this communion table... There is this very real exchange between the risen Christ and his faithful people. 
when we pray on heaven as it is on earth, that encompasses everything. That, that God's name would be hallowed here on earth as it is among the angels. And that God's kingdom would come here on earth. It would be manifest that we would see a realized kingdom in fullness. I mean, that's what we're waiting for and praying for when it will be done on earth. New heavens, new earth. And when God's will is completed and summed up in all things. Even when we pray for bread, we're not asking for bread out there somewhere. We're asking for bread on the table. We're asking for, for all of the fields to prosper and, and the farmers and the grocers and the truckers and everybody that brings food and puts it on our table, that all that would happen here, not up there. That our sins would be forgiven. Not out there, right here. Our sins, my sins, your sins. And that the deliverance might come in an earthly encounter. Not just out there where the devil falls from heaven. But where he's rooted up out of our lives and out of our communities. And out of our power. You know, I'm lousy at keeping time. Can somebody tell me how much time or when I should stop? Okay, it says 10.55. What does that mean? 10.55? I'm done? <laughs> How many minutes, Tony? 12 minutes. Excellent. Okay. <laughs> well, here, here's, a, here's some application. How do I... How do I enter in and use this prayer as Jesus suggests that I do? How do I take the invitation, take the bait, and get into this? Well, think about this. When, when, uh, when you think about God's name being hallowed, I mean, you probably have this massive download of all these attributes of God, his natural attributes, his, his immensity, his aseity, his omnipotence, all that stuff might come to mind. Or all of the character attributes that you know God by. Him being merciful and gracious and good and faithful. All those things come to mind. Well, here's my suggestion. We take those things that we know about God and we pray them back. Not pay them back. We pray them back. We, we develop prayers around, oh, holy God, make yourself known among us. Purify for yourself a people that are desirous of you. Or, oh, merciful God. Like we do this in communion all the time. Oh, merciful God, forgive us our sins. Or, sovereign Lord, rule over the chaos that we see in the political spheres of our country. You know, it's, it's right that we offer prayers like that. I heard prayers like that when Ed was praying earlier. 
You know, but we reference those prayers with this God who manifests himself with, with this character. Or even like the revelatory acts or the redemptive acts. Incarnate Christ. Come to us. We, pray, we prayed that through song. Gather to us. Kindle to us. Nurture us in the hope that you have set out for us in eternity. B- might, might the gospel message be published with gladness in the streets of our city? Might the incarnation make sense to skeptics? You know, we can pray like that. We're, sure, we're limited in our human fallenness and inability to change the world, but God is not. And Jesus invites us into this prayer so that we might participate in the reformation of all things. That we might participate and be a part. It, it should be of great encouragement to know that, that God wills the prayers of his people to be part of his process of reconciling all things to himself. That we're participants. We don't bring anything to the table. We have no power on our own. But he has grafted us into this. He's brought us in as children and heirs and sons and daughters to be a part of his work in the world. There's an illustration of this in... uh, Revelation, at the, at the uh, center of this uh, throne, there's a picture of Jesus sitting, God is on the throne, the Lamb, the Lion of Judah is on the throne, all these, whatever they are, heavenly creatures are bowing down and worshiping and giving glory to God. Now, on and on and on. And it, it, the four living creatures said, Amen, and the elders fell down and worshipped. And then chapter 6, Now I watched when the Lamb opened one of the seals. So, okay, so there, there's all this worship going on, and then there's this one living creature that, saying, Woe is me, for n- no one is worthy to come and open the seven seals. And then news comes that one has been found who is worthy to open the seals. And then the seals begin to be opened in chapter 6. And, you know, keep in mind, all this, no- all this music and adoration and worship is going on. It says, day and night, that these creatures and the elders do not cease from praising God. And then the sixth seal is opened and then there are these angelic hosts. And then in chapter 8, just before the Lamb opened the seventh seals, it says this, there was silence in heaven. And you wonder, silence? Well, why? 
I mean, God is on the throne, the Lamb is breaking the seals, there's lots to, to give praise for. And what happens after that is that everything comes unglued because what's offered here is the prayer. It says here that the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne and the, throne and the smoke of the incense and the prayers of the saint rose before God and the hand of the angel and then the angel threw the censer to the ground and all things come unglued with that seventh seal being broken. There's, my point is simply this. The prayers of the saints, that is, you and I, all the believers in Jesus Christ, gathered together, the prayers of the saints are being heard. And you and I have no power to affect the change of the world or the change of history on our own. But we can pray. And we can participate in the prayers of the saints and in the purposes of God and have that glorious privilege of knowing that we belong to this King and Lord. So that's my application. Pray back the character attributes of God. Pray back the redemptive actions of God. And watch God do what only God can do. Lord, we thank you for this prayer. And we ask that you would give us uh, encouragement to pray it and to participate as you would order. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.